Well, we have the privilege now of opening up God's Word together as a church family. So I invite you to open up your Bibles. Um, If you don't have one and would like to read along with us, James says, hum, you can just raise your hand. The passage is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And for a bit of context, uh, the passage today um, starts off with a Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee, who asks Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus responds with this story about a Samaritan, just the sort of person that Pharisees despised. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Good morning. Let's let's pray. Lord God, please help us to know and understand you more as we consider your word this morning. And give us the faith and courage to live for you in our daily lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm Tom Cummins. I normally go to the 4.30pm service. I've been coming along um, for about four years. Um, I work part-time. I'm studying full-time at Sydney Mission Bible College. And I used to live in Townsville, so I was excited at 8.30 when I saw Sam bring up the State of Origin because Queensland's currently doing quite well on that front. While living in Townsville, I used to ride my bike to school. And one morning as I'm riding along, I ride past this um, really old lady who's just walking along the, the side of the road. I said g'day as I, as I flew past, and but something in her response just caught my attention and caused me to circle back and, and just see how she was going. And with a, with a real frail voice, she told me that she wasn't okay. And, She's actually trying to get to the hospital, but her, her phone isn't working. And so for the kids, when I was growing up, people didn't have mobile phones. So 
But okay, well, we've got to do something here. So um, I, I took this lady and led her towards the, the, the nearest front door that I could get to. And as soon as the door opened, I regretted what I'd done. So as I'm bumbling and trying to explain the situation, uh, this, this person who's sort of barely dressed says, no, I can't help you. Um, and I'm trying to you know, impress the situation to get some help, but it wasn't going to be. And then, then they took the, this old lady's bag and started to look through it, and I went, oh, this is not quite going the way I thought it would. So I, I ran around next door to the house next door and met a lady there who was um, probably in her 70s, but what 13-year-old boy has any idea really how old she was. But that was what I thought. And so I've explained to the situation, and she reassured my instinct that I shouldn't have gone to the first door. So I, I run back over and I, I collect this lady and we grab a bag and I, I lead her across to the, to the new house, thinking that she'd be invited in for a cup of tea and, and the adults could, could sort this all out. But that wasn't quite how it went. But a, a chair was brought out so she could sit in the front yard and, and they started to arrange some, some transport. So feeling way out of my depth, which I absolutely was, um, once I knew the adults were sorting this out, I then jumped back on my bike and, and tore off to school. And this was just one of those days. I, I got to school and my class is not in the classroom where they should be, you know, because I've arrived late. I don't know where they've gone. And so I'm, I'm getting rattled and let my guard down a bit because there were no other kids around. And some teacher I didn't even know asked me how I was going and whew, I told her. <laughs> and so through my sobbing, I've explained how my morning's gone and, and explained my complete just confusion around how could, how could people not help someone? I, I, just, I, I just couldn't comprehend it. And so I'm trying to explain just what's happening, but I, I can't put words to it. How, how could, I mean, cars are just driving past this lady. Like there's heaps of people there, but no one, no one's stopping and helping this person who needs to get to hospital. Even the people who were staying at home were hesitating to help. I, I just couldn't understand. I mean, I, I knew growing up kids can, kids can be thoughtless. They can be mean, and, and I understood that. But I thought adults knew what was right, and I thought they, they did it. So this, this, was a, this was a shattering moment for me. Such was my distress that my mum was called to come and collect me and, and take me home, just let me sort of regroup for the day and... That was the only good thing that happened that day, but that was, that, that was, it was a silver lining. So as we reflect on the parable of the Good Samaritan today, I have just as much, if not more, to learn from this parable as, as anyone else in the room. What challenges me to, to consider is if now I'm just one of those people passing by, minding my own business, not taking the risk of getting involved in someone else's messiness. I wonder if now I'm older, wiser and strategically busy doing good things, whether I'm part of the problem that that I could see so clearly through innocent eyes who, who didn't understand all this wisdom I now have. So leading into this parable, Jesus had resolutely set out for Jerusalem where he knew he was going to die or our salvation. And so with that context, Jesus, he knows where he's going. He's earnestly trying to get us to, to lift our vision, to get those who are following him and hearing this parable to lift their vision and, and understand the radical life that he's called, calling people to, 
that he wants us to be countercultural, that he wants us to live in a way that this world doesn't even recognize as we follow him. In Luke 10, 25 to 37, as we've just heard, there's this expert of the law. And this person wants to um, get in a bit of an argument with Jesus about what's required for eternal life. Jesus asked the lawyer, what do you think? And this guy switched on. He responds with, um, he's quoting Deuteronomy, he's quoting Leviticus. And we, let's, let's have a look in Luke 10, verse 27. He answered, this is, this, is the, this is the lawyer, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Oh, that's good feedback. He nailed it. Wow. But, but Jesus understood he missed the heart of it. And so Jesus goes on to clarify, do these things and you will live. This guy knew his scripture really well. I mean, to put it in context for today, this, this is the guy we would say he is really knowledgeable. He's really insightful about the Bible. He's a, he's a really committed churchgoer. But my first of three points is actually a warning. Knowing Scripture is not the same as obeying Scripture. We learn from Jesus that knowing how to be saved, knowing the right things to say, doesn't mean someone is saved. So at this point, I suppose we need to pay attention and, and beware. Even the wise can miss the point, as this person did. But we're not left without guidance. So we get to the important question, what does faithful living look like? Who should I treat as my neighbour and how? And to answer that, Jesus tells us a story. And it's set on the road heading from Jerusalem to Jericho, where a man is robbed stripped of his clothing, beaten, and left half dead. So we'll pick up um, again in verse 32 and 33, where it says, A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So to explain these two characters in our story, the priest serves God in the temple and the Levite supports the priest and performs duties in the temple. So these two guys had religious occupations and they're heading away from the temple in Jerusalem. So to try and put that in our modern context, we wouldn't be crazy to think here's two churchgoers on their way home after church. Now, at that point, when I wrote those words, I went, well, this is getting close to home. <laughs> We're all about to be in that situation. And it made me start to wonder, what might God have for me, planned for me, as I head home? The priest failed to help. The Levite failed to help. Both knew the word of God, just like the lawyer did who was talking to Jesus. Fellow Jews in their vicinity would have been considered their neighbours, yet both of them failed to show love towards the injured man. 
knowing the truth is not the same as believing and living according to the truth. But let's, let's think about it for a second. You know, what, maybe there was a reason they passed him by. Maybe it was because he was a stranger. Maybe he did something to bring it upon himself. They don't know this guy. Perhaps they didn't think they could help. Maybe they thought God is sovereign. This, this must be God's will. Perhaps they might have thought him close to death and involved in, um, in the temple. They wanted to keep themselves ceremonially clean. Maybe he deserved it. Perhaps they were afraid of getting robbed themselves if they got involved. Maybe they didn't have time to help because we all know opportunities never come at an opportune time. I think it's easy to think of reasons not to help, isn't it? Whether we really believe them or not or support them, it's easy. Whatever their reasons, they, they saw the situation and they decided not to help and they decided to pass by without getting involved. The point is these two people were supposed to follow God and they, were supposed to, and they knew they were commanded to show love and they did not. And by the lawyer's own conclusion, they were not living in a way worthy of eternal life. Similarly, when I thought about it today, Christians can fail to show love to those around them. It made me think, when, when people see your actions or my actions, do they experience the love of Christ? Or are you keeping your distance effectively passing by on the other side of the road? Or worse, do people see you acting or speaking, let's call it less than lovingly, towards or about others? Just as earlier in Luke's narrative, a Samaritan village had rejected Jesus as he was heading towards Jerusalem. So it would have been extremely radical, as Sam was talking about, and outrageous to suggest that this lawyer should show love to a Samaritan. But Jesus suggests something even more mind-boggling than the lawyer showing love to the Samaritan. In Jesus' parable, the priest fails, the Levite fails, but a Samaritan is living in a way that actually obeys the Scriptures. A foreigner to the people of God is the one living in a way worthy of eternal life, at least in this instance in this parable. So trapped by his own test, the lawyer can't even bring himself to use the word Samaritan in his response to Jesus. As he admits, the one who had mercy in the story is the one living according to God's commandments. It's how radical this thought even was. In verse 33, we read, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and when he saw, he took pity on him. This guy looked at the injured man lovingly. In verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. He treated the wounds. He walked while the injured man rode his donkey. He used what he had to help the man, perhaps using his own linen as bandage. He went without so he could bless a stranger. 
Where is the self-preservation in that? What was left for his risk management, for the journey he still had ahead? I mean, he, perhaps he was going to get to his destination that night, we don't know, but he decided to take on the inconvenience of nursing a stranger, a person who has different religious beliefs, different cultural beliefs to, this, to, to what he did as a Samaritan, a person who would have considered him an enemy. In verse 35, we read about how the Samaritan paid about two days' wages, two denarii, to the innkeeper for ongoing care and support. And he pledged to cover any further costs next time he came through town. I'm reading this and I'm going, what limits did he put on the care and expense for that man? What, what assurance was there that he wouldn't be taken advantage of? Why did he help? I think we read in the story that he saw, he took pity, he had compassion, he looked lovingly, and, and love leads to action. My second point is that love is compassionate. We must love and serve others unconditionally and without bias, lest we be ungrateful recipients of what Christ has done for us. Having clarified how to love our neighbours, in verse 37, Jesus says, go, do likewise. And this brings me to my third and final point. Go and love your neighbours. They are everyone you come across. So, are you willing to love your neighbours? Everyone we come across. There are some applications that this parable teaches that are worth considering. To the kids and, and all of us, um, this parable teaches that we should love people as we are able, not just the people who are nice to us. The wise and the not so wise are called to love and serve others compassionately and without excuse. The ministry workers and all others are warned against having a pious perspective and are, are told we need to walk the walk not just talk the talk. To everyone, we are commanded without bias. We are to show love to those with different religious and cultural backgrounds to us. These things sound impossible, but they are imminently reasonable when we keep perspective of what Christ first did for us. Jesus Christ, when he told his parable, knew he was going to Jerusalem to lay down his life for the salvation of everyone. That's the context when Jesus tells this story. He knows what he's prepared to do. So when he throws the challenge out, he goes, that's, that's the, <laughs> trust me, he's taking the hard route and, and he's calling us to, to follow and it won't be as hard as what he did. He encouraged others to follow with compassion and actions. Jesus said his burden is light and, and this might seem Heavy, this, this teaching from, from Jesus in this parable. So to avoid any unwarranted guilt or, or burdens, let's consider what this parable is not saying. It's not saying that we are saved by the good deeds that we do. We remain absolutely assured that we are saved 
through faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that is available to us because of what he did, nothing to do with what we did or what we will do. It's not saying that if you drive past someone who's in need and needs help, that you've missed your chance at eternal life. (laughs) That'd be pretty rough. But the key to this story is that the key and the Levite looked, saw and didn't have compassion. We are encouraged to show compassion because we see that that's not right. Yet Jesus is not saying he expects us to be able to care for and nurture every um, needy or hurt person that we encounter in our lives. That wouldn't be possible either. Christ himself showed that he needed rest. He needed to retreat. He needed to pull back. And Christ himself would leave a town when there were still needs in that town. So we're not to take the wrong perspective there either. But at the same time, I'm, I'm careful that I don't want to overplay that point because I don't want to water down the good works Christ has for us to do. Because when Christ was called to sacrifice everything to save others, he did. We're shown from this story that being despised does not make you bad. Just like being a Christian and called a Christian does not make us good. Preparing for this message, I couldn't disconnect everything that we've discussed when we look at this parable from the the verses in James 2, verses 14 to 17. It says there, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing to, about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. What James there delivers in a really blunt assessment, Jesus is teaching with encouragement with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is seeking to inspire us to to love others around us, love those we interact with, with with a broader lens than we might have otherwise had. So to wrap up, I think there's three main points for us to remember from the parable of the Good Samaritan. Knowing scripture is not the same as obeying scripture. Love is compassionate and we're told, go and love your neighbours. They are everyone you come across. So ultimately, it's quite simple. Talk is cheap, but the salvation that we have in Christ that was bought at a price was not cheap. Therefore, treat each person you come across as your neighbour and love them with the love that you would want to receive because that is how Christ loved us and he calls us to follow him. So go as people loved by Christ and love your neighbours.